So, and it's all about benediction. We often hear this word benediction. It's usually associated with the last portion of the sermon. And it has to do with blessing. What does it mean to be blessed? We hear hashtag blessed now. What is the real blessed life? Well, we're going to delve into that today by looking at the book of Numbers. But first, I want to ask a question to you. Because I believe that we all have messages that follow us wherever we go. They're coming out up from us, and they're looming over our heads like a flag. Everywhere we go, there's a message. And I think this message is often connected to our family of origin. So my question for you is this, what is the message that you've heard from your father and your mother growing up? Don't go to your children right now. Just What is the message that you're carrying with you wherever you go that your father or mother has spoken over you? I'd like you even just to take time just to write this down right now. Don't, don't, we're not going to delve into it completely right now, but go in the week, explore this a little bit because there's a message that's following you and it's interpreting for you and it's teaching you how to relate to yourself to people, and to God. You see, messages from our parents will rule us. Some of these messages will be blessings, and some of these messages will be curses. But I want to direct our attention to a greater message you're a follower of Christ that follows you wherever you go. There's a message that God has, and he's speaking it to you every day. It lives in his word and lives by the spirit in the heart of the believer. There's a message. Are you awake to it? Are you allowing it to interpret your life, your marriage, your relationships? We're going to look today in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, and it's the, the high priestly blessing spoken from Aaron. If you look in your, your Bibles, it's Numbers 6, verses 22 through 27. This passage tells us that God has a gracious message that is truly meant to rule us. I think we're going to find that his banner over us is love. There's a flag waving over our heads. His banner over us is love. We're going to find out more about that as we delve into this passage. You may read along with me if you'd like. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just ask today that you would remove the familiarity that keeps us from the power of this blessing 
over our lives. As I preach the word, please bring clarity and power, exalt Jesus, and lift our countenances towards your beaming smile. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. So John G. Patton and his father were on a long walk one morning, and it was a very significant walk because it was the walk that would take them to the end of the road of their relationship as John embarked on his call to the mission field. And this mission field was not an ordinary mission field, it was to the New Hebrides, which was a very dangerous group of islands known for cannibalism. And these cannibals had been known to be very aggressive towards visitors. Matter of fact, the first known missionary presence there was two men named John Williams and James Harris from the London Missionary Society. And as they disembarked their ship and got on land, their shipmates saw them clubbed to death, boiled and eaten before their eyes. So can you imagine John Patton's and his father's experience in this walk as he embarked to go to that same mission field? He speaks of it in his autobiography, and he, he starts off like this. My dear father walked with me the first six miles. For the last half mile or so, we walked together uh, in almost unbroken silence. My father was often, his custom was carrying his hat in hand, while his long flowing yellow hair then yellow, but in later years white as snow, streamed like a girl's down his shoulders. His lips kept moving in silent prayers, and his tears fell fast whenever our eyes met each other. And as they parted ways, his father left him with a blessing and spoke these words over his son. God bless you, my son. Your father's God prosper you and keep you from all evil. And unable to say more, his lips just kept moving. But he could not get a word out. And John had no other ability to respond, but he turned and he ran as fast as he could out of the sight of his father, turned around to the bend of the corner, and he thought, I'm going to look one more time. And he, he climbed a little hill and looked and saw his father there, still looking for him in the distance. And eventually saw him turn away, and began his, his long walk home, no doubt full of prayers. And John says these last things of his father. He says, I watched through blinding tears till his form faded from my gaze, and then hastening on my way, vowed deeply and oft by the help of God to live and act so as to never grieve or dishonor such a father and mother as he had given me. John G. Patton. See, it was his father's love that brought him courage. The sense of his father's love that was, he was so aware to and awake to that on this dangerous mission field, he knew his father had spoken a word, spoken a word from the Lord. The Lord bless you, my son. And it, it appears that John took that as more, more than a trivial, God bless you. No excuse, excuse me, God bless you. He took it as a true word 
powerful word from the Lord and sustained him for many years of ministry. You see, we all need this good word. We all need to be aware and alive to the good word that our Heavenly Father speaks over us. Without the awareness of the good word spoken over us, we resort to hopelessness, to despair and self-hatred. So I want to call you to this today in this sermon. And since you were made for a benediction, you were made for a benediction, you must look to Christ for the good word. You must look to Christ for the good word. You can't rely on your performance. You can't rely on others. You must look to Christ for the good word that's constantly looming and waving over your head like a flag. Some of us are going through journeys of our own. We're not headed maybe to a, a cannibalistic mission field, but we have troubled marriages, trouble in our families. Maybe we're battling cancer. Maybe we're battling children who are struggling immensely. The Lord has a good word, and it's over your head like a flag. You see, God ordained that there would always be a word of blessing over you. It was never his intention for you to be aloof from his blessed word, not even for a day. I have three questions I want us to consider today. What is a benediction? We hear this a lot, but what, what technically is a benediction? Who is under a benediction? And how do we receive a benediction? If this is true, I want to live in light of it. How do we receive it? First question, who, what is a benediction? So imagine these Israelites who are gathered on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, once a year, annually, where a scapegoat was literally took, taken off into the wilderness and the priest would lay his hands on this goat and release it and say, there go your sins. And there was yet more animals and the Israelites would watch as the priests came and they put their hands on these animals, and they put your name on the animals. They put your sins on the animals. And they brought these animals into the Holy of Holies, and they sacrificed. And these animals were killed on behalf of your name. So these Israelites are watching this. The priest's form disappears into the temple, and they know, there goes my name. There goes all that I've done. And what a delight to see that priest reemerge and say, Oh my, my sins are atoned for, and him come out and raise his hands over you and say, now I have God's name to put on you. I have a new name for you. I'm putting God's name, the holy name of God, Adonai, Yahweh. And he puts his name over the people, and he speaks this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, give you peace. And that's how he ordained to put his name on the people. And it says not only did he put his name on them, but he actually said, and I will do it. There's a mysterious power to this. So one definition I found says this, a, a benediction is God's blessing conferred or bestowed on a person or group by God's designated human agent. So isn't it some, it's not something flipping, oh, bless you. It's God's appointed person speaking an authoritative word from him 
and conferred on the people. I think, as I think about this, what, what is a benediction? It's what we were made for. We all crave and yearn and long to hear a good word spoken over us. And at a boy, we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Our hearts cry out for this. They ache for this. And you can see it by looking at our lives. I mean, I, I go back to my, my psychology 101 class, and I remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And what were they? I just, I just wrote the, the foundational three that, that he mentions. He says, physiological, safety, love, and belonging. These are just innate. The Lord's put these longings and this need to receive blessing of that you're physically going to be protected for. That's what it means when he says, the Lord bless you. I'm going to take care of the daily things, food and provisions, and bless your field and your crops. Lord, make his face shine upon you. There's a will keep you safety lord make his face shine upon you there's this relational need for acceptance what is a blessing what is a benediction it's what we were made for it's what each one of us yearns and longs for it's what we were built for i mean why otherwise would we be seeking validation why do we seek validation so hard I mean, is it the engine that really fuels us at the workplace? Isn't it that? That we want to be validated? What, what are the reasons for the stickers on the back of our car that I've ran 170 miles like a crazy man? Look what I did, Dad. Check me out. Look at the glory of what I've done. Look at the letters behind my name. Check it out. And these things aren't bad necessarily. These are good things to be affirmed and Recognize the glory that God's given us. We're glorious ruins, and we should recognize the glory along with the ruins. But we were made for a benediction. We were made to receive a good word. The only problem is this. It's when we try to find that word from every area of our life. I'm trying to find that and make these issues in my life the primary the primal source of my sense of affirmation and love and belonging. So let's receive those, those encouragements and those affirmations, but may it not be our foundation. We have something greater than that over our head. His banner over us is love. There's something greater than what we can achieve. What happens if you become quadriplegic? What happens if you lose your job? Did you just lose your favor and your blessedness? Not when you're rooted in the good word that God has spoken over you. Martin Luther, I found a quote here. Martin Luther is citing Augustine, and he's expounds, expounding on him, and he describes the state of sin as an incurvitus in se. And I think this is our propensity. Rather than looking to God, we curve like a macaroni noodle. And he says this, we curve inward on ourselves rather than turn outward for others and the reality of God's blessing. So our drifting, our bent is to drift into this macaroni noodle and look in myself and look in you and look at my job and look at my accomplishments and my achievements for that sense of blessedness. My grade on my finals, 
But where's that true source of blessedness? You've got to break that macaroni posture, macaroni posture, and, and look up to the true self source of blessedness. And it's right here in the Word. He said, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. So like seven billion pieces of macaroni, we're all bent inwards on this planet. But we have the word of God to instruct us. that There is a blessing that's so much greater than we could attain on our own. And I'm so afraid. I just live life in, in constant fear. I have to keep coming back to the word of God. That where is my source of blessedness? Is it in my performance, in my work? It sure feels like it. But I feel like God is like Mick, you know. I'm Rocky, and Mick's in the corner saying, that pain that you're feeling, that struggle that you're feeling, yes, that's all right. I'm here with you, and I, you're going to do it. And I love you. My affirmation's on you. Let's go. This is par for the course. If it feels like hell, you're actually blessed. You're doing the right thing. You're going the right way. I can remember the first time I got introduced to this idea of a benediction, and it was when I was dating Emily in these, what seemed like forever. I mean, three months before we got married, we had a date. I mean, can you imagine I had to wait three months? So I'm, so I'm dating her, and I'm thinking, man, she's a beautiful girl. She's in Bible study. Check, check. <laughs> but then I had this other question in my mind, and I thought, you know, I'm getting older now. I'm 30, though. You know, I don't want to just get caught up with some party girl. She has nice fashion. She's cute. That's, that could be a lot of drama. But I remember the night she came to my house, and she brought these two young men uh, who came from a pretty rough situation. And uh, we began talking, and she's sharing with me about her life. And at one point, I asked her, was it hard growing up in the ministry? Her dad's a, a pastor. Was it hard growing up in the ministry? And she says, um, well, let me preface that a little bit. Was it hard growing up in the ministry, seeing your dad in real life and then seeing him uh, at the pulpit? And she said, actually, I really respect my dad. And one of the things that he's given to me is he, ever since I was a, a child, every night of my childhood, he'd go into my room, put his hand on my head, and deliver a blessing. And it was that night that it clicked. I thought, the Lord is with this woman. The Lord is not going to ignore a whole, child, a whole childhood of a father laying hands on her and proclaiming, may the Holy Spirit flow on you like rivers of rushing water, proclaiming the word of God over her. And I said, yes. So these, uh, these blessings are, are powerful and they're sustaining, and I've seen the fruit of that in our relationship in our life, and Lord's been very gracious. So I don't think these benedictions are just a pleasantry, but they're very powerful and effectual words. It's rooted in the word of God, speaking by an authoritative source that actually transforms us. So my questions for you to consider are these in application. How have you been seeking this blessing? Where are you getting your sense of blessedness right now? Are you looking to your parents? Are you looking to your children? Are you looking to your work, your friends, your boss? Maybe you have a lover. Maybe that person's going to satisfy me. Maybe that's where I'm going to experience the true affection that I'm longing for, 
that my soul cries out, you should have this. You were built for this. Are you bent? Are you curved towards other things? Or are you facing God for this benediction, this good word? Your, better your benediction will not fade. The word spoken over you will not fade. God's word does not fade. You may be asking, does this count for me? I know what I've done. I've cursed myself. If I could even utter the words, I'd tell you the story of what I've done and how that disqualifies me. We're going to go into the second question here. Who is under a benediction? Who can actually receive this benediction? Can you curse yourself out of the good blessing that God's given to you? Have you messed things up? The context of this blessing is given in the first seven chapters of Numbers, which is a preparation for God's people to enter the promised land. And the first seven chapters focus on the purification of the people of God, their purity and ordering them, preparing them to go in. And then chapter six, it speaks of the Nazarite vow, which was an opportunity for any of the Israelites to engage uh, a priestly type of position before God. And in this Nazarite vow, there's just three simple um, things that you'd abstain from, and that was you wouldn't drink any wine or eat anything associated with grapes. I just got done doing the whole 30, so I feel the, you know, I, I did the whole 15, my wife says. <laughs> so you wouldn't eat anything associated with grapes. You would not put yourself in a position to be near a dead body. If you were, you're automatically uh, disqualified from this, this free will gift to the Lord. And last but not least, you would not cut your hair. So this sign of your commitment and devotion to God is constantly growing, and you can see your devotion in your hair. So this benediction, who, who is under the benediction? Let's look back to the text. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people who have went through the Nazarite vow. No, it doesn't say that. Right in the context of this chapter, it says, No, you shall bless the people of Israel. So there you are, you're standing next to the person whose hair is long, and you can see their devotion all over their life. It's just so clear and manifest. They're so pure and clean, and they're so upright and good. And there you are standing next to them, and the Lord's saying, I bless you. I protect you. And the King James Version says, thee, which means a singular. So he's speaking to the people of God, but he's also pointing at you, and he's saying, I bless you, and I keep you. And my face shine upon you and be gracious to you. So the whole point of this, I think God is saying, my blessing is for the people of God. And one of the themes of the book of Numbers is that God is constantly blessing a macaroni people who keep constantly going to that curvature position and looking to themselves. Although the cloud of his presence is following them wherever they go, like a banner of love saying, I'm with you, son. I'm with you, daughter. It's following them all through the camp. They keep curving in and saying, oh, what about Egypt? His encouragement is for the people. So after the strict guidelines, the Lord's speaking an encouragement to his people. Blessing is for the, for the broken. 
And after these strict guidelines, there's a, there's a ritual state of cleanness along with the sacrificial. And its goal was to get the people close to God. He didn't need them. He doesn't need sacrifice. He doesn't need to do all this. He's self-sustaining. The goal was to bring you in, little sheep. Come on and get close to me. I want you to hear my words. I want you to hear the love I have for you. This is what made the people of Israel the most enviable people in the region. These desert dwellers. All the nations and the foreigners are looking in and they're seeing this desert-dwelling, ragtag group of people, but they got God's presence right there. And wherever they go, he seems to be blessing them. And their sandals don't wear out. And their Nikes stay fresh for 40 years in the desert. Anybody have that issue in here? <laughs> the Creator dwells among them and makes Israel's lot, even in the wilderness, enviable among the nations. So it's not just to the best achievers. It's not to the ones who completed the whole 30 only, <laughs> but it's for the whole congregation. And it, this is uh, climactically reaffirmed, as one writer puts it, in the book of Numbers, in the story of Balaam. And if you know the story of Balaam, this is chapter 22 in the same book. Uh, Balak, a king in the region, is watching this, this group of people and saying, why is it that wherever this ragtag group of people go, um, they're blessed. I'm, I'm kind of nervous. What if they get close to me and they get blessed with my stuff? So Balak says, uh, hey, he calls, uh, actually thumbs through the, the, the phone book and finds this, um, this psychic from Sedona, Arizona and says, hey, bro, can you, can you do me a favor? I want to hire you up. Can you curse this people before they come and get my stuff? And Balaam says, all right, man, I'll be down in a second. So he and uh, Balak and Balaam uh, take post over this cliff, and they're looking at the people of Israel. And man, they sure aren't that good. You know, I'm sure this is going to be easy to curse them. These people got issues. Look at, like, here's a cloud following them, but I see them, and I hear all kinds of craziness in the camp. This is going to be no problem. So, so Balaam goes to pronounce the curse, and what comes out of his mouth is a blessing. And Balak is looking at him, what are you doing, man? I just hired you to curse this people. He said, all right, how about this? We're going to move to a different location. You know, like my Wi-Fi, maybe it's not picking up here. Let me get over here. Now let's stand over here and then curse them. All right, Balaam's like, oh, how blessed and beautiful are the flocks of Israel. And what are you doing, man? Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm sure, I'm sure it's just a bad connection. Let's go over here. And here we go. Now pronounce a curse over this people. And what happens? Once again, Balaam speaks a blessing over the people of God. He says, my heart is constrained. I cannot do anything but what the Lord speaks to me. And this is what it is, saints. If you're in Christ, the curses that have been spoken over your life, the curses that have been handed down, they have to flip. If you're in Christ, the Script flips, and everything that should have brought you down actually can't help but just say, the Lord bless you. Romans 8, 28 says, for all things work out for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's why you look at your story, and these, these twists along the way have a funny way of blessing you. I think we've been hearing this story about strength and weakness. 
the Lord's benediction, His good word that you were built for is looming over your heads and sometimes you don't see it, but it's in action and it's working. But I encourage you, turn your eyes to look at the beaming countenance of Christ and the Father who say, that's my boy, that's my girl. You're everything I ever wanted you to be. Tell them to shut up. Because I have a good word for you. And it's not only a good word, it's a true word. And it's a lasting word. So put white out on all those other haters. Because this is the truth. So yes, we're under the blessing, but we still have a hard time receiving it, don't we? So, how do we receive this blessing? How do we actually get it in us? How do we actually live in light of this massive flag that's waving over our heads saying, Loved, I love you. Loved, I'm going to take care of you. I got your job in mind. I got everything planned out. You can just walk with me. You can just do life with me and talk and chill and work hard and then go to bed at night and just actually sleep. How can we receive this blessing? Well, there is some complexity to the Israelite of this time because how does the blood of a lamb really just set me free? I mean, you could just imagine the hard questions that kids ask. And the Israelite kids asking their dad, like, how does this pan out, dad? They just let that goat go. And that's supposed to make things good with us? I mean, think about the questions that uh, kids ask today. I took a, a survey of, uh, of some hard questions that kids are asking us today. They say things like, what are black holes, mom? What is infinity, dad? Why is the sky blue? Why does cutting onions make you cry? Where does the wind come from? Why is the sea salty? How big is the world? What happens to us when we die? Is God real? What makes thunder? Why do you blink? Here's the good one. Where do babies come from? I want to know now. <laughs> and then when you tell them, and how did they get out? What is time? How does Santa get down the chimney? But the 12-year-old Israelite standing next to his dad is watching on the Day uh, of Atonement, and he's asking his dad one question, and it's this. How can that animal's blood take away my sin? You see, uh, even Hebrews 10 reminds us, and it says, the blood of lambs and bulls cannot take away the sins of man. So there's a divine mystery packed in here. It's not, it's not really easy. It actually was a complex issue. How do my sins get forgiven? A theologian once described this scene of the people of Israel receiving atonement and forgiveness on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, as a divine pop-up book. 
You wouldn't give your, your child a, a psychological uh, textbook or physiological, bio- see, I didn't take a lot of science, biological textbook to teach them about the birds and the bees. You kind of explain it to them in an appropriate way for them to uh, process at that time. There'll be a time when they'll know full well. But this Day of Atonement was like a, a pop-up book for the, for the children of Israel. A divine pop-up book intended to t- prepare peop- God's people for his divine blessing. We all know the right answer about this. We all know that forgiveness comes from Christ, but do we really get it? If you look at your lives right now, how much of your sense of blessedness is coming from the word of God, the Lord speaking over you, man, I bless you and I keep you? Or are you only kept by your skills at your workplace? Are you only kept by how good a husband you are? Are you only kept by how strong and successful you are? Are you only kept by what you're, how do we get this blessing in us? Well, let's look back at the blessing itself. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. This is a beautiful uh, piece of poetry right here. Uh, In Hebrew, it's broken into just 15 words. And three of those words is the Lord. I think God wants someone to hear the source of your blessing, Israel, is going to be the Lord. It's not going to be your ceremonial cleanness and how many times you dipped in a dirty river. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. That leaves 12 words left. Some theologians say, perhaps that was the 12 tribes of Israel. The Lord is the answer, the source of the blessing for all the people of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, lift up his face and shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Praise be to God, our Father and Lord of Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He takes care of your needs. He cares about your future. He cares about the details. He loves you in that kind of way. It's not a big cosmic, I love you. I'm going to get in on the details too, but you can just walk with me. You see the, see, the, see the cloud by day and the fire by night. There's a testimony that I'm with you. And, and today we look at the word of God and we, and we look at the preaching of the word. See, we were made for this benediction. It's for the people of God in our struggles and we receive it by Christ's sacrifice and his righteousness. Our blessedness comes by Jesus Christ, imputed righteousness on us. So wherever we go with our dirty little diapers, Christ is saying, no, you're righteous, clean, holy, just. Doors get open. I love the psalmist who says, sounds so arrogant, but he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and then I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's just so cocky, confident that the Lord will do chesed on him. And he's going to follow him and pursue him with a steadfast love. 
We could do with some of that cockiness. Now, you see that flag waving above my head? You don't? It's there. The Lord blesses me and keeps me. He makes his face shine upon me. My dad's bigger than your dad, and we're going to be all right. So in the next 15 years, we go back to our, our missionary, John. In the next 15 years, John and his wife see a great work of God among these cannibals. And the entire island of Aniwa turned to Christ. And years later, he wrote, I claimed Aniwa for Jesus, and by the grace of God, Aniwa now worships at the Savior's feet. May it be so for our missionaries in Japan. May it be so for us in our workplace. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. His banner over us is love. The Lord's speaking a good word over you today. You see, John didn't die by the cannibals, but there was another son who his father said, hey, I want you to go down amidst the cannibals. They're going to eat you up. And Jesus came down to earth and he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. And he was killed because he loves us. And he gave us favor. And his banner over you is love. His banner over us is love. His beaming countenance is coming down on you right now. Remove the clouds. His beaming countenance is coming down on you right now. And he lifts up his face to you, and he says, this is a relationship. I'm not just a cosmic God blessing you from far off. This is a relationship. Let's walk together. Come and sit in my study. Let's talk a little bit. Let me take you out for ice cream. Jesus Christ has secured for us a benediction that will never leave us and never forsake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've spoken a word for us. There's a message over our life that's greater than what we could attain with our own hands. We just confess that we are curved constantly, forgetting that there's a looming cloud, Lord, of protection and a pillory fire of your presence with us every day, everywhere we go. Your word of God, the Holy Spirit living and active with us, the testimony of Christ who laid it all down so that we could come and be children, beloved and blessed in your sight. Would you please give us power now to go and to live in what we were made for. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.